Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, it happened one ordinary day this past April. Opened up an email to find an invite from a friend. To uh, He said, hey, I have tickets to a game. Do you want to come? I'm like, yeah, that sounds good. Until I saw the start time of the game. It happened, it was a Monday night at 9.20. I'm like, whoa, that's like my bedtime is 9.30 and, and my week starts on Tuesday and I like to start with a full tank of energy. So that was an easy pass. No, that's not for me. Until... I started connecting some dots and realized, okay, this friend didn't tell me what game, but he works in corporate NCAA, and I texted him back and I said, is this the game I think it is, the NCAA championship that was happening here in Indy? And he's like, yep. And I said, who needs sleep? I'm in. (laughs) We'll sleep when we die. This is a bucket list moment. And so um, joined him for that and was so grateful. Sure enough, it was uh, lived up to the hype in my head, but something happened that night that I did not expect, and it, it impacted me deeply. It was how the team that won Baylor played defense. Now, I have never been to a game or watched a game where I, I left the game thinking, I want to come home and play some defense. Like, I just want to go out in the driveway and pick somebody up and play some defense. You know, we, we like the offense, and the defense is sweat, and it's hard, and all this stuff, but these guys did not stop and it wasn't a defense that just defended a bucket it was a defense that kept the other team from doing what they wanted to do all game long you want to pass I'm going to make you dribble you want to dribble I'm going to make you pass just disruptive defense high intensity so the whole game I'm thinking okay we all know one thing that happens in sports is momentum shifts it's going to shift you know there will come a moment when they're going to you got to take a breather and it's just um, they're going to get complacent a little bit, and that defensive intensity is going to lag. If you watch that game, you, it didn't lag, not that night. They kept this defensive intensity, spending it, sweating, going, energy, to the point where I found myself asking, what's fueling these guys? And it was the reporters were wondering the same thing. You could hear the interviews afterwards, and you can watch these on YouTube, but there was one word that, that marked their team culture that they bought into, and it was the fuel that, that, it, that led to that intensity, and it's this word, joy. And as you listen to these players talk and you listen to the coach talk, the JOY is an acronym that stands, J stands for Jesus. And they were playing for the audience of one. It's not about us, it's about him. What you didn't see after the game was that whole team, that they don't show this on TV, but they all hit center court and hit their knees and arms around each other and thanked God for the opportunity to just enjoy playing a game for him. And then... The O stands for others, and it's, it's not about me, it's about our team, it's about others, putting others first, being willing to do the dirty, thing, dirty job like defense, and then the Y stands for yourself, and taking personal responsibility to bring my best effort and play whatever part I've, I've uh, been called to play on. You know, as followers of Jesus, God calls us to, to follow him into a life of humble, loving service, and on Sunday, you know, in this context, that sounds good. But as we go out and live this out, 
It's tough, isn't it? It's kind of like playing defense. A lifetime of washing dirty feet behind closed doors. What Jesus called us to in John 13. Where not a lot of glory. Um, and it's hard. There's moments it gets tough. How do we keep on? How do we maintain the, uh, the intensity and to live a life of humble, loving service such that when we're done with our days, we might be able to look back and say, you know what, we spent it, and hear our Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. How do we stay locked in on that? And what God has given us in the text that we're going to cover today is a gift that helps us lock in on the uh, motive, the mission, and then the method of that will help us, uh, equip us to serve one another humbly in love for a lifetime. So excited about this, it's Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, and following, if you would join me there. Quick context though, Paul is, last week if you were not with us, we, we locked in on really the core truth that drives everything else in this letter, and it's the supremacy of Jesus Christ in all things. So it's, I encourage you if you were not here, just to roll back and bask in that a bit this week, but it's one of those, when you see it, it changes everything. Jesus Christ is supreme over all creation. He's supreme over his church, protecting it, caring for it, and he is supreme over our reconciliation. Or, or It is only by his loving sacrifice, giving his life on the cross, that we have peace with God, but it's a peace with God that's forever, through faith in, in Jesus and it's out of that truth, Paul then writes right here. He says, now, I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And we don't normally see rejoice and suffering in the same sentence. So what's going on here? He says, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. So we know Paul is, is pouring it out, spending it, serving the church. But what is he saying that? There was something lacking when Jesus gave himself for us on the cross. It was the sacrifice of Jesus, the atoning sacrifice, not enough. No, that's not his point here. His point is, he'll follow this up. He says, for the sake of his body, which is the church. But what he's saying is, as his body, as the body of Christ, we share in the sufferings of Jesus as we serve one another, as we serve his body, the church. And he says, I have become its servant, the church's servant, by the commission God gave me. Now, remember that moment in Acts 9 where Paul was persecuting the church, Jesus met him there, checked him up, and then commissioned him. And what was his job? He commissioned him to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery, and you might circle that word mystery, it's going to come back up, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. So God gave Paul the job of sharing a mystery. What's a mystery? something that's not quite clear. And so throughout time, this was a mystery how God was working out his redemptive plan. Like, okay, there's something we know because of what Paul shares with us that David didn't know or Moses didn't know or Abraham didn't know. So when we read scripture like Psalm 51 verse 11, we don't pray the way David prayed in that where he says, Lord, don't take your Holy Spirit from me, right? Because in that day, the Spirit would depart, but in this day, the Holy Spirit has been given as a seal. And if, if you are in Christ, permanent and dwelling, but, but this is, a, what's the mystery? It starts to build. He says, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. 
It says, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles or the nations the glorious riches of this mystery. Okay, so what's the mystery? Well, we know it's connected to glorious riches. Like, when we get this mystery, there's a uh, stockpile of wealth connected to it. So it raises the, what is it? What, what is this mystery? And here it is in a sentence, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery of the new covenant. The day that we're living in. Now, when Jesus, remember when he had that last supper and he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Meaning when he went to the cross, he established a new ushered in a new age, a new covenant is a promise. God was making a promise with people, and what was his promise? In the old covenant, the presence of God was some, something that you would go be in. He, he manifested himself in the temple or the uh, tabernacle, and people would go to be with him there. But in the new covenant, this mystery that the, old, the, the prophets looked at and said, how can this be? The living God takes up residence within us. Christ in you, through the Holy Spirit, the hope of glory. Guys, this is, this is how good is it right now, knowing Christ? God himself in us, through faith in Jesus Christ, the, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And you say, why was the Spirit given at the day of Pentecost? Several, many reasons four big ones. The first one is so that we might taste and enjoy an eternal and ongoing intimacy with God. Where we don't go to be with Him, He is constantly with us. And as we learn to walk in the Spirit and live in the Spirit and not grieve the Spirit, quench the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, we, we, we experience eternal life in the here and now. <laughs> Second, God gave us His Spirit so that we might be empowered to be His witnesses to this good news. Acts 1.8 says, okay, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit, and then you will be empowered to take this message and share it with, with others. Third, we've been given the Holy Spirit to transform us little by little, to be like Christ. Galatians 5.22, it's the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. Do we create these things? No. God's creating these things in us as we look to Him and, and follow Him. And then a fourth one we see in this text, the hope of glory. In other passages, it says the Holy Spirit is, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. A seal is something in that day that was given a, uh, like a king would put a seal on a, a, uh, a letter that, that would just ensure this is from the king. And, and this, it, it's a declaration of what's going to happen. And we've been given the Spirit as a deposit, a seal, guaranteeing our future redemption. And so it gives us hope that not only do we have hope today, but we ultimately um, hope for eternity. But as we look at this first part of this text, the big question is, what is the motive that's driving Paul? What's causing him to sweat, sweat, bleed for this church, to suffer? You know, and you say, how's he so? Well, we know he's praying. We know he's standing firm in the gospel. We know he's in prison, and he's about to, to face, uh, go on trial before Nero, probably going to die, death sentence. What is it that's moving him, fueling him, where he would say, it is even my joy to suffer on your behalf, the church? What, what did you catch it? What, what is the why behind his, his suffering? And this is huge. Here it is. The church 
is the body of Christ. The church, the gathering, we are the body of Christ. When we serve one another, when you serve a brother or sister in Christ, you're serving him, you're serving his body. And so the motive to lock in on it that will fuel us to faithfully serve one another, build one another up, is that we are the body of Christ. Just let, let that just hit us at a, a heart level. I can't help but think for Paul, it, this became a fuel for him when he was in his conversion moment where Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. And do you remember Paul was persecuting the church and Jesus, he saw, Paul saw the light and then Jesus spoke to him and asked him a question, but he did not say, why are you persecuting Christians? He didn't even say, why are you persecuting the church? Do you remember what he said? Why are you persecuting me? We are the body of Christ. And I think about that moment when our Lord was almost to the pinnacle of his life mission. The cross was his goal. He was, and he was moving towards Calvary. He was actually the day that he was carrying the cross, but he had suffered the loss of blood and he had been beaten, flogged, and he was out of energy to actually carry the cross. And the Roman soldiers picked a guy, almost a footnote in the story, named Simon, and he was from the town of Cyrene, and they said, hey, you take the, would you carry, you carry the cross. And can you imagine what was going through his mind? Be like, I don't want to do this. Um, bloodied cross, walk along with these criminals, probably wasn't planning to, to be, be a part of the, the proceedings that day. And yet, he helped our Lord finish his race. Get to the, the, the summit, the goal, which was to take our sin to that cross and lay down his life for the sins of, of the world, anyone who would come to, to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and when he looks, when Simon looks back on his life, can you imagine what he must be thinking? Like, that moment is the greatest moment in my life that I had the chance. When our Lord loved fueling him but did not have the physical strength, I had the physical strength to reach down, pick up that, that beam, and help my Lord finish his race. And as I was meditating on that one Easter season, a prayer just welled up in my soul. And, and here was the prayer. I said, Lord, I wish I could have been Simon to just come alongside you and use my strength to help you. And do you know what I heard whispered back through his word? John, you can serve my body. Love the brother that I put, put beside you that's struggling to fight his fight. Love the person who's going through a dip and, and struggling with despair. Love the couple that's struggling in their marriage. Come alongside them and what you do for them, what you do for them, you do for me. But it's messy, but it's hard. But what you do for him, them, you do for me. Can you feel the motivating power coming up out of this? The church is the body of Christ in a real way today. And we have the privilege and the honor to, when God gives us strength, and there'll be those moments when we're flat on our face and we can't go and somebody else comes along and helps us. But if today he gave us strength where we can come alongside, what an awesome opportunity to just say, Lord, show me. And I'll reach down and I'll put up the cross beam of that person's cross and I'll help them finish their race. And maybe you're listening to this and thinking, how do I get in the game? How do I serve and the body of Christ. And that's one thing as a church family, we 
It's our fifth uh, habit that we talk about. Everybody, every member is serving in a ministry, and, and next week we have a class that's an on-ramp to uh, serving. If you don't have a part a serve a ministry or you'd like to even think about how that looks and what's your shape and all those things, 9 o'clock next week we'll be teaching on that. Tyson will talk about that a little later in the service. But So back to the, the challenge. The challenge of the day is simply this, to lock in on this God-given motive, mission, and method equipping us to serve one another, helping us serve one another. So Paul starts with the the motive, but now we see he moves to the mission. What is Paul's aim as he serves the, the body of Christ? And we see it there in verse 28 as he says, he is the one we proclaim, or Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that, and here it comes, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And so what's he aiming at? What's the goal as Paul serves those around him? And here it is. The mission is this, to present everyone fully mature in Christ or to help the people around me become fully mature in Christ. I love it that Paul uses, and in the original, it's three times he uses the word everyone. Admonishing everyone, teaching everyone, um, wanting everyone to become fully mature in Christ. And I feel like I, I can't help but think repetition. God is just underlining the reality that it is possible for every one of us to become fully mature in, in Christ. This isn't like for an elite group of people. This is for everybody, regardless of age, regardless of background, regardless of what you've been through. You can be fully mature in Christ. And there's some hope coming out, out of that, and it, but it does raise the question, and I appreciated Joan asking this earlier this morning, does this mean that, like, we're perfect, like we, we're, we're like Christ? And the answer is no, we, we, we will not be fully perfect until we get to heaven. And what a day that will be when we shed our old nature and, and uh, even temptation is gone. But the, what we understand, it's helpful to understand what he's talking about. When he says fully mature, the word is teleon. It's that idea of complete or having everything you need to live your life the way Jesus would live it, faithful to do the good that he's called you to do. And will, be, will there be areas of growth? Yes, until the day we get to heaven. But you can be, as you, through his word and through a um, couple habits we'll talk about, you can be fully mature in him. And as we interact with each other, that's our prayer for each other and our hope for each other. And as we see each other, it's neat to think about, is there a hopeless case in any one of us? <laughs> no. Like, God's, this is God's intention. Paul's sweating it, man. Let's go. We can do this to be fully mature, complete in Christ. So he's, we ask, okay, then how? How do we become mature? And as a church family, we've identified five core virtues that, that God calls us to, that we see throughout all of Scripture that we're aiming at. It's really a change of our heart, and we, the way we develop these five core virtues is through five habits that we see in the life of Jesus. The, the five virtues are a love for God, a wholehearted love for God. Second is compassion for people who don't know Him. Third is a love for each other that lays down our life in service for one another. Fourth is courageous faith that's taking that next step in our faith journey. And then the fifth is humility to serve one another. 
You say, well, how do we get there? How do we develop those? The five habits that we see in the life of Jesus and through his teaching are first gathering weekly to worship God, develops our love for him. Jesus, did he need to go to church on, for then it was the synagogue on Saturday? No. I think it would have been fine, but he was modeling for us, and, and how much more do we need each other? The corporate, God's grace flows as we gather. And then second is, uh, we, we call this one life, but where we're reaching out, seeking to share our faith with at least one person in our life. And I picture Jesus with the woman at the well, just taking that time, interruptions, just to lead her to himself. And then third is the uh, small group that we're doing life in a community of smaller, smaller community of Jesus followers where we're known and we can know others and uh, help each other in the journey. I picture Jesus at his toughest moment in the Garden of Gethsemane when he goes to pray. Do you remember what he does? He, call, he says, Peter, James, John, his smaller group, come pray with me. And if he needed a community, how much more do we? And then fourth uh, is that daily discipline of meeting with God through every day in his word and through prayer. We see Jesus often withdrawing to lonely places and praying. And then the fifth is humbly serving one another, everybody doing something, serving the body of Christ. And the picture here of Jesus is that last picture he gave us in John 13 of washing his disciples' feet. And so the challenge for us today is as we seek to serve one another, how, how do we do this? What, what, how's this play out? And how do we lock in and live a life of faithful service? First, we're locked in on the why. We're his body. Second, we're locked in on the mission, which is to help each other become fully mature in Christ. And then the third uh, part of this challenge, or third thing to lock in on that God has given us in this text is the method. So how do we do this? This gets to the, the how of it. And we see this in verse 28 where he says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all his energy. Christ so powerfully works in me. The, uh, we see the method there in verse 28. First, first phrase, he is the one we proclaim. How do we help one another become fully mature in Christ. And big picture, it's we are just constantly proclaiming Jesus Christ, meaning he's central to our conversation with each other, central to what we teach. As we preach, we're, we're constantly coming back to, to Jesus. And you say, why, why focus on him? And that's where we back up to what we covered last week, because he is supreme in all things. He is creator. He is our savior. He is the one, he's the head of the church. He's the one who will guide us, direct us. And so we want to live Christ-centered, locking in on him. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us when we're locked in on him, he transforms us. How do we become fully mature? Eyes on him. And so how's that happen? We're, we're talking about him all the time. Talking about him at home, with each other. Talking about him with friends. Talking about him in our small groups. I'm talking about him in our teaching context, locked in on Jesus Christ. You say, well, how does this play out in everyday life? Like, like what's it look like to proclaim Christ as we uh, go about our everyday lives? And in this text, we'll see three observations that help us see how this plays out. The first is there in verse 28 where he says, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. 
The word admonish is the word warn, and then the word teach is to impart information. And it's that idea of there's a negative and a positive. And in Scripture, you'll often see where God calls us to put off something, put on something, stop doing this, start doing that. And that's the idea here, where as we do life together, we're, we, we're close enough with each other, we, we've built up that trust and that relationship, and we love each other enough to say the hard conversation, hey, I see something in your life that's not of Christ which could hurt you, you know, and speaking truth and love. But then we're also speaking, hey, Here's what God's teaching me, and here's, and we're teaching each other as we, uh, through the Word of God. One of the questions that came to my mind is, uh, am, I, am I doing life close enough with a group of Jesus followers where they have permission to speak, speak into my life, and I have permission to speak into their life, and where this is happening, you know, where we can admonish and teach each other. Also, opportunities within our church family we have small groups where this happens but classes happen we have a class that happens at the nine o'clock hour a class that happens at the ten thirty hour and and that's where we take scripture we break it down but we do so in a way that is a it's a discussion versus just a monologue and we can help each other learn together in that context second observation we see in this text is that uh, how do we do this how do we proclaim christ we're bringing our best effort. We're sweating. We're working hard while relying on the power of God as we, as we do this. We see this in verses uh, 29 and chapter 2, verse 1, where he says, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Then Paul says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. It was a town about nine miles away. And, and for all those who have not met me personally. And so, as we seek to uh, become fully mature in Christ, who is it that does the work? Is it God or is it us? So we seek to help each other in this. Who does the work? Bit of a trick question. It's both, right? (laughs) And I love the way Paul says, I am struggling. The word he uses there is like the Baylor defense. It's it's, uh, the word contend is agonize. So so he's bringing everything he's got to this. And he says it again, where he says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. Chapter 2, verse 1, agonize. Like, when he goes to bed at night, he's spent. He's left it on the table. He he is giving his best to help these people grow up in Christ. So the question for us today is, am am I sweating for this? Am I embracing some agony for the good of the people around me you know it's like do I delight in it those Baylor players they love playing defense why because I love my teammate and I love the Lord and I want to win <laughs> and I, I think about um so the the moment that was coming to my mind is when in the future Lindsay has allowed me and my brother to do games for VBS on uh June the 6th so it's going to be Sunday morning and then our, we have Summerfest that after church, hit a couple grad parties probably, and then come back out here for BBS and just lay it down, wear ourselves out, blessing these kids with, the, with some fun games. And I expect when I fall, fall to sleep that night or when I hit the bed, it's just going to be spent. Like, I can't go another step. And I can't wait for that day. But it, but it does raise to mind those moments when I'm like, eh, have I gone soft in my 
devotion to serve the body of Christ? Am I more concerned about just not wearing my... Now, we want to be careful about burnout and not overextending ourselves at the risk of hurting our family or our relationships and all those things. But do I delight? Do I rejoice in moments when God just lets me spend it? You know, one thing I've discovered after... uh, And this hits me during vacation. Every day I fall asleep or I, I get to the end of the day, I'm tired. Have you discovered that? We wear ourselves out doing something. And during vacation, I'm like, I'm tired. Again, and I did nothing today. So, so either I'm going to wear myself out doing something of eternal value for the glory of God, or I'm going to wear myself out wasting my life. I want to wear myself out. Is, is vacation wrong? No. And it's good. We need to rest and all those things. But love the, the tone here of just working hard with, while relying on the power of Christ in us. And then the third observation is so good, where it's um, that Paul's goal is to foster a culture where people are encouraged in heart and united in love. Verse 2 says, Paul says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have a full, the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. There's the mystery again, which is namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so the, the way that we live this out, how do we help each other become, or how do we proclaim Christ and help each other grow up? It's by doing what we can do to foster a culture of encouragement and love. That those around us would be encouraged in heart, united in love. This is profound when you stop and let it soak in. What Paul's saying is, we won't fully know Christ if we're not part of a community of encouragement and uh, love. Isn't that interesting how important that is? That, so as Christians, um, just asking that question, you know, when people are around me, do I encourage them or, or am I a discouraging presence? Do, do I just, am I like wind in their sails and I make them want to go? Or do I kind of, throw a wet blanket over their, their hopes? Do I make them feel like a failure? Um, or do I encourage them? And then second, am I creating a culture of, of unity where, where love is, is the mark? Like, there is nothing you can do to make me not love you, and we are united in love, unbreakable bond of, of love. You can hold, I was thinking this past year, what was the big test to our unity? If I had a mask, I'd pull one out, but it was the mask. This little piece of cloth and all our views of who should wear it, why should one should we wear it, threatened our relationships, our unity at times, didn't it? A mask. And man, it checked me. I'm like, that was a good test. Nothing should, I don't, should come between us and our love, the love, the unbreakable eternal love we have in Christ. And so we, uh, we commit to that. Let us have a culture of encouragement and uh, of heart and united in love. And so the challenge of the day is this, to lock in on this God-given motive, mission, and method, helping us serve one another humbly in love. And our motive, is, the why for us is we are the body of Christ. The mission, our aim is to help one another develop and become fully mature in Christ. And then the method is simply to proclaim Christ. And I... 
What would happen as, if we as a church family were locked in on this gift that God has given us? And I can't help but think we will. I believe we will accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. And I think we will play with an intensity that that Baylor basketball team played with that night. The joy of us serving our Lord as we serve one another for his glory. So let's do this. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today, giving us a window into Paul's heart. And we know you inspired this for for us so that we might take these principles and just apply them to our lives, that we might live locked in on this great why, the what, and the how as we serve one another humbly in love. And we thank you for just uh, the ways that that you are pouring your grace through this body, Lord. And as I look out and just see person after person that I know is laying it down for you, serving humbly in love, I thank you. And I pray that you would just continue to, to empower, to encourage, to strengthen each one of us in our life mission, that we might do what you've called us to do. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the mission of our church is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And last year, right before COVID, we started a discipleship pathway, which was set up to help people grow in their faith. And as you think about that, it it encompasses every area of our life. We started right before COVID, had an incredible response, and then COVID happened and we had to cancel everything. But we have about 12 classes. They're called the core classes. And these are designed to help you grow in your faith in a way that is, is a little bit more tangible and experiential than maybe you can get on a typical Sunday morning. And next Sunday, we're going to start one called Spiritual Life. And uh, it's a three-week seminar on how to, to live out your faith. And, and when we think of spiritual life, we often think of reading our Bible or praying or doing something like that. But when you look at what the disciples did, they spent their entire life their entire day serving other people, whether they were fishing or whether they were just hanging out, they were looking to serve others. And so this three-week seminar will start next Sunday morning, and it would be a great opportunity for you to do that. We're going to continue on from there. After that, we'll do Know God 201, which is all about how to pray and why we pray. And these are experiential. So if you think you're just going to show up and be like, oh, cool, we'll get to learn something new. Um, No, in the prayer one on Know God 201, we'll actually pray, and we'll teach you how to pray and help you learn how to be comfortable with praying. And then after that, we'll do a a class on compassion. But as you leave today, there's a brochure. And we would encourage, like we did a year ago, if you call Westbridge home, to pick one, two, or all 12 of these classes out over the next year and look for an opportunity to grow in your faith. If you don't know where to start, you can stop by guest services, and there's an assessment that you can take that will kind of narrow down maybe some areas that you could potentially work on. It's not uh, authoritative in any means, but we just want to find ways to help you grow over the next year. So we're so glad you chose to be with us today and hope you have an incredible week. You're dismissed. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.